Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number two of Revelation chapter 13, and we're continuing to look at verse 1. And I stood upon the sand of the sea, and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And um, in our last study, we were looking at the beast coming up, rising up, ascending out of the sea, and we saw how the Bible ties that in with the loosing of Satan at the time of the end, the beginning of the Great Tribulation, that little season when he gathers Gog and Magog together to come against the camp of the saints. And the beast is a name assigned to him by God for the duration of the Great Tribulation. It, it's used many times in the book of Revelation and uh, it, it uh, it, it is um, a name for Satan's rule. Primarily, maybe there's one verse that that uh, doesn't follow along those lines, but overwhelmingly, it is a name that uh, identifies with Satan during the 23-year Great Tribulation period. And he ascended out of the sea, that is, he rose out of the bottomless pit, he ascended out of the pit, just as Revelation 11 verse 7 says, just as Revelation 17 verse 8 says, and he came against the saints. He came against the church. And that's what John, standing upon the sand of the sea, uh, pointed to as the sand of the sea uh, can be used to refer to the corporate body of Israel or the New Testament church. All right, let's go on in verse 1. And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. Now this verse reminds us of what we read in a previous chapter in Revelation 12 in verse 3. It said there, And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads. That's very similar language to what we're reading in chapter 13, verse 1. But there's a difference, and it's a major difference. In chapter 12, verse 3, the crowns are on the heads, the seven heads. But here in verse 1 of Revelation 13... The crowns are on the ten horns. And that is important, or God wouldn't have made that change. And when we read of the seven heads, the beast, the dragon, in Revelation 12, that had seven heads and ten horns and crowns on its heads, that signified the rule of Satan throughout all time since the fall of man in the Garden of Eden until the very end. Judgment Day, which began on May 21, 2011. Satan 
would rule as king. He um, had won the victory over man, and man was given dominion over the earth. Therefore, Satan had dominion over man and over everything man ruled over and all the kingdoms of this world. And so it was the normal, typical um, rule of Satan throughout all history. But there would be a change, a drastic change in his rule when we reach the time of the end, Judgment Day, Judgment which would begin upon the house of God, the churches, and that's also known as the time of the Great Tribulation. And then the crowns are not on the seven heads, or or said to be on the heads, but they are on the horns, the ten horns. Now let's look at a couple of verses to see uh, what that might mean in uh, Daniel 7, beginning in verse 23. It says there, Thus he said, The fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon the earth, which shall be diverse from all kingdoms, and shall devour the whole earth, and shall tread it down and break it in pieces. And the ten horns out of this kingdom are ten kings that shall arise, and another shall rise after them. And he shall be diverse from the first, and he shall subdue three Kings, and he shall speak great words against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and think to change times and laws, and they shall be given into his hand, until a time and times and a dividing of time. Now, uh, we saw that time, times, and dividing of time, or time, times, and a half, in Revelation 12, and, and there I mention that the context determines what it means. And here the context is pointing to the Great Tribulation period, which worked out to be in a, a full 23 years or 8,400 days. And and this is the time when the ten horns are said to be ten kings that arise. Now let's also take a look at Revelation 17. Revelation 17 has much in common with uh, the book of Daniel. In, in chapter 7. And in Revelation 17, it says, beginning in verse 9, And here is the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. And we're getting more familiar with that language, the, the seven heads of the dragon of Satan. There are seven mountains, and mountains in the, in the Bible represent kingdoms. And the woman, who is Babylon, sits over the these mountains or these kingdoms and rules. To sit in the Bible indicates rule. And then in verse 10, And there are seven kings, five are fallen, and one is, and the other is not yet come. And when he cometh, he must continue a short space. And that's the seven periods of reign of Satan's rule over the earth, pointing to the perfect uh, fulfillment of his reign that uh, he had won through conquest over man in the Garden of Eden. And uh, by the time Revelation 17 is being written, towards the end of the first century, five of these rules uh, had had already come and gone. 
and one was since the cross that this would be the rule of Satan's binding as he was bound for the entire church age and the other is not yet come that would come at the time of the end of the great tribulation and and that would just continue a short space when Satan is loosed as we read before in Revelation 20 he's loose for a little season well then in verse 11 it says and the beast that was and is not even he is the eighth and is of the seven and goeth into perdition and the ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings which have received no kingdom as yet but receive power as kings one hour with the beast. Now we we get the idea. Now we have the the picture. The ten horns are ten kings that have not yet received a kingdom, but they will receive power as kings, and kings will rule. They will receive power as kings one hour with the beast, and the one hour typifies the duration of the Great Tribulation. The Bible likens the Great Tribulation to one hour. And the, the one hour represents the whole 23 years. And, and so the ten horns or ten kings that will receive power as kings to rule with the beast during the Great Tribulation period. And that's why in Revelation 13, verse 1, there's a difference in the placement of the crowns. Again, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, because they're representing ten kings, which ten points to completeness. It's the completeness of the rule of Satan for the little season. And upon his head's the name of blasphemy. Well, we'll we'll talk about that in a second. But the the ten horns now are representative of Satan's rule for one hour with the beast. And of course, the beast is also Satan. God is using various names and different images and and language to illustrate and to teach us certain points. And and really, the main thrust of what God is saying in Revelation 13, verse 1, is it is now time for Satan's rule. That's why he's he's ascending out of the sea. He's loosed. He He's no longer in the, the deep, the bottomless pit. He is now loosed, and the crowns are... Uh, not on the heads, but on the horns, because it's the hour of judgment, the hour of the great tribulation has now begun. And, and so he has begun to rule in a far greater way than he has ever ruled before throughout the normative periods of his reign over this earth, over all the previous history of the world. There has never been a time when the world's population has reached the uh, heights in numbers that it's reached at the time of the end, billions of people, and they've never been given up by God 
like they're being given up at that time where God has given them up to the lusts of their flesh, to their sinful desires. He's given up men to work that which is unseemly with men. He's given up women to do the same with other women. And, and the sin of homosexuality is multiplying and increasing. And it's becoming a beacon and a signal to all because never in the history of the world has that particular sin taken such a, a forefront or a frontal uh, focus. It's never been in the limelight to the degree that it's in the limelight now. And a push is on by the inhabitants of the world to to take a, a sin that has been unanimously, uh, as far as I'm aware, by the nations hidden and 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 rightly said to be in the closet, and people were ashamed of this sin throughout history. Um, it, it certainly never was said to be uh, a good thing and a moral thing and a right thing. And, and there was never even the thought of marriage between men and men and women and women. But now the end has come. Now Satan is the one that is ruling like never before in history. And he is the father of lies. And, and so he attempts to make that which is bad good and that which is evil right. And, and to turn things upside down. And and that's just, um, of course, one example. There's many other examples where abortion takes off in the world. And and the, the whole world, the nations of the world, think it's a right to actually kill their own children. It's just incredibly uh, alarming what has taken place since... The beginning of the Great Tribulation back in 1988 and the loosing of Satan where his rule in the world has greatly increased as people are deceived like never before to believe, uh, for instance, such nonsense as evolution. It, it has just, just reached the point where it's an accepted truth amongst the places of higher learning in the world, the colleges and universities that ought to know better because it's nothing more than a far-fetched, ridiculous theory and yet it's taught as fact. And, and oh, every uh, 99% of scientists agree. Well, I just made that number up. It's a high percentage of them and the the most intelligent, the brilliant minds of the world are convinced Oh, this is, this is fact. They have absolutely no proof. It's nothing more than a fairy tale. Uh, uh, you know, um, that's what we call it when uh, a frog turns into a prince in, in, in children's books. It's a fairy tale. But, uh, in science of today, uh, a frog may turn into a prince when you add a few million years or hundred million years, however long they're saying now, and then from a lower life form to man is what evolution is. And it's nothing but a fairy tale. The most ridiculous of ideas anybody could ever come up with. Yet 
a solidly entrenched fact in the teaching of this world because the world wants to do away with God. And because Satan was given the rule, it, it was his time, and and so he was able to manipulate and deceive the hearts and minds of men that were in darkness to begin with to far greater degree. And that's what's been going on for these last decades in the world and, of course, in the church. The church has fallen away to um, just um, unforeseen depths of spiritual depravity. They, they have turned from God at just about every point of doctrine. There's not even any sense mentioning all the errors, all the false gospels, all of the flat-out denials of the truth of the Bible by the corporate church of the end of the world, the church that came under the judgment of God. And yet Satan was instrumental in both. And, and so he rose to a place of prominence where he was reigning gloriously, as far as he's concerned, gloriously over the hearts of men out in the world who are deceived by these common deceptions of evolution and abortion and homosexuality and, and you name it. And he's reigning gloriously over the hearts and minds of the unsaved within the churches as uh, he he develops his own gospels of speaking in tongues as a as some sort of sign of the Holy Spirit, or falling over backwards, or holy laughter, or um, ordaining women to take positions of authority and rule within the church and congregation, and and on and on and on. It's all evidence. Since these things are unprecedented in history. And, you know, uh, that's obvious. We know that. Anybody can check that out. Go look at church history books. And maybe in time past, of the many hundreds of years of the church age, you may find a few instances, a few mentions of a woman pastor like Jezebel here or there. But it was a rarity, or finding a, a mention of a homosexual bishop. I don't, I don't think you would be able to find, or finding just hardly any of the outlandish practices of today's church. Yes, you may. I'll grant that, and and allow for that. Maybe you could find a couple of instances here in some church that had gone astray over there. But they were rarities. They were few and far between through spread throughout the centuries. Today, they are everywhere in all the nations. The churches that are in the nations are all experiencing these things with the uh, onslaught of women teaching, with the um, falling away of the church concerning marriage and divorce. It's in all churches everywhere with the free will gospel just predominant throughout the church. And, and you can go on and on, and it's everywhere in the world, indicating a drastic change took place, and, 
and we can trace it back just a few decades. It, it wasn't too long ago that this was not the case in the corporate church. And likewise, uh, those of us that have been alive for any length of time, if we can think back to the 80s or, or the early 80s, the 70s or the 60s or the 50s, and think of the world out there. Is there any relationship? Is, is there any ability to recognize this present world with its push to make Sunday like any other day? And, and it succeeded. Sunday is like any other day. It's a day to play. You can work on Sunday and, and do whatever you want. It, it, it's, uh, you, you don't hear about stores closing on Sunday hardly. There might be a couple of places that do because they want to keep the Sunday Sabbath. And, and that was commonplace just a few decades ago. Or again, the look at the situation with crime with the coldness of men towards their fellow man, the the lack of love that is in the world today. Look at the situation with mothers as we we hear of what they have done with newborns and in disposing of them and just the the horrible situation that is not in one city, and it's not in one nation, it's in all cities, in all nations. The the cold-hearted nature of man, where man's heart has grown cold towards keeping the commandments of God. He's waxed cold concerning love of God to any degree, as God would have constrained men in time past to at least give some acknowledgement to his law and commandments so that there would at least be a basic fear of God uh, to some degree or, or a fear that would be in the society that they would desire to keep God's law to some degree. It's gone. It's completely gone in the world, in the church. This time we're living in is not like any other previous time in all the world's history. Something has changed and that something began with the loosing of Satan and and God allowed Satan to rule like never before in the world and in the church and the world and the church began to take on the nature of the beast. They began to worship the beast, to be like the beast, as mankind uh, is losing more and more identity with the image of God and has become more like the image of the beast. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.